On today's episode of Out Angle Me, we cover the level four lockdown just imposed on New Zealand, leading to the cancellation of the WBFF New Zealand show. The mindset needed after receiving news like this for the amateur competitors, how we would go about choosing a coach, our biggest regrets in life, and who would win in an arm wrestle between Chris and I. Welcome, guys, to the Out Angle Me podcast. Uh, hosting today is myself, Chris Webb, and my dear friend, Dan Mazzola. What's going on, brother? What's happening? How are we? Good, mate. Good. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, buddy. Um, obviously, we're, we're getting the crack of this now. We've got the audio sorted, so apologies for the last episode we got on there because a little bit echoey, eh? Yeah, it was um, a bit of trial and error on our very first one, and um, we did it together, um, sort of face-to-face, so... Our mics were picking up each other's mics, which um, caused the racket that was the first episode. <laughs> but we figured we didn't want to redo the whole thing, so yeah. we thought we'll stick no, with no, it the no, first no. one, and um, we'll step things up a level for our second episode moving forward. So we've got um, we've got some pretty interesting things to talk about, mate. In the last uh, 24, 48 hours, we've gone into a stage four lockdown here in New Zealand, which is obviously a um, not really a shock. It was well, pretty much due for it, I suppose. But um, the Delta variant is here now in New Zealand. So uh, as of today, there's about 25 cases and they're expecting it to obviously rise. So we've gone into a seven-day lockdown here, um, which you're very much a part of, us being here in New Zealand. So, Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I think the majority of us, we sort of picked that it was going to happen with what's been happening Australia, um, particularly Sydney and, yep. and Melbourne, and um, they closed the borders, but they allowed all the Kiwis to come back home without quarantining for a week, which, I mean, was a recipe for disaster. Exactly. So <laughs> I think, so <laughs> they've done the genome sequencing, and um, yeah, funny enough, it came from Sydney. So... <laughs> here, Goddamn Sydney. Yeah, so now uh, we're yeah locked down for... What is to be, well, first announcement was seven days for you in Auckland. It's three in Hamilton, where I am. Um, but I would expect that to increase as cases increase. Yeah, I sort of got a message today from a friend of ours saying that we'll probably be in lockdown for about four weeks, um, which is not good just because the case numbers are rising and that. So um, as you know, we've, we've um, you've, had, you've got some news, obviously, around the whole lockdown situation. We've got to talk about the um, obviously the WBFF show here, which was meant to be due here in uh, November 6th. So there was an announcement that you and Jake made today. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, obviously with everything that's going on, um, border closures, COVID, the uncertainty of everything, um, we've been watching it pretty closely over the last few months, um, particularly as cases have rise in Australia. Um and we're pretty concerned about, you know, the likelihood of the show going ahead. Um, okay. Then borders got closed. Um, so a large contingent of the competitors come from Australia. So that first show in 2019 we was probably 30 40% of them come from Australia. So we knew without right. them that would be initially be a big hit. Um, now with lockdowns happening in New Zealand, um, you know, we had to think pretty long and hard what – What's the best thing, the decision the best thing to be. do, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of one of those situations where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. 
where 100%. we can we can we can push forward and hope that things stay open um, and we can have okay. a show at a smaller capacity because the borders will be closed anyway or um you know and or the possibility of the show being pulled a couple of weeks out when you've right at the end of your prep you put everything in and then it gets taken away from you at the very end um yeah and so you know Jake and I had a conversation and we jumped on a call with Paul Delette and Allison um and you know the thing with these shows is they're very expensive to run you know these you know when you when you when you're running it through an arena or a um a theater you know these these venues cost tens of thousands of dollars and if if it doesn't go ahead you know it's a big hit in the pocket so we're literally gambling whether the show's going to go ahead or not okay. um which a lot of people may not know but yeah you guys have obviously you know put your own money up on this and you know there is a there is a you also got uh, uh sponsors that you are you're obviously responsible for as well yeah i mean these things they're not a cash cow you know it's a it's a passion project you know we do it because we love it um you know we didn't make a cent on the on the first show um to make money on these things is very hard just because of the outgoing costs of them so okay. obviously that's a big consideration um we don't want to be out of pocket just to try to put on a show and then we lose money on it and then also all the competitors lose out um so we figured it was a, a better decision to try to make a call earlier rather than later um, before, okay. you know, the competitors start spending money on all their bikinis. And I'm sure some of you already have, um, but to try absorb as most of that as possible. Um, and for some of you, you know, that are, don't want to push through if there's not going to be a show, you know, um, sort of taking yep. that weight off your shoulders. And it is a very hard thing to, to do when you're preparing for a competition and, you know, the uncertainty of it. And you've always got in the back of the mind is like, am I doing this for nothing? Am I even going to be able to do it? Um, oh, there's there's a lot riding on it. You know? Like you and I know, obviously, we've done a lot of shows. So, you know, the, the expenses of um, just traveling and not just the travel, but, you know, uh, the, the tanning, you know, this, this federation that we are in um, does cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, it is a very glamorous, glamorous. Uh, what would you say, mocked up sort of bodybuilding to a degree, but it is a fashion and beauty contest. You know, we we are judged upon how we present ourselves on and off the field. So um, yeah, so you guys think you made the right call around that, obviously due to the circumstances. Yeah, and logistically, the thing is, it's such a big thing to organise. Is that, and particularly with the venues. Is it, okay, if say if we had a lockdown leading in a couple of weeks before that show, we can't just push the show back a few weeks because these venues are locked in 12 months in advance. Um, right. So even if it were to get postponed, it wouldn't be postponed till next year anyway. So, okay, you know, this, that's the problem is that it's – and, you know, we've seen the same thing happen in Australia with the WBFF. You know, Sydney, they tried to postpone it. They were lucky enough to have a date. And then after that, it's like you can't get another date. Because these places just now they, they haven't announced anything at the moment for uh, October, which would be the amateur pro show yet, have they? So Ari and Pauline haven't made that decision yet, no. or we haven't heard anything as pros. So no, um, I would expect that there will probably be a go-ahead decision so far at the minute. Um, you, you sort of have a bit more intel than I do in regards to that um, that platform, but yeah, I haven't spoken. Have I haven't spoken or? to Ari or Pauline about it. Um, I mean, at this stage for them, you know, Queensland's open, so that's where they're holding it. Um, okay. So 
given that, you know, obviously if, if the borders were still closed between the states, um, you know, obviously New South Wales would be out of the question and Victoria as it stands. Um, but then you still might have, you know, South Australia and Queensland would still be able to do the show. So okay, I, d- I don't know what their thinking is at the moment, but I would be assuming like, hey, at least if we have those states open, we can still run a show. Um, right. And I guess they'll just have to play it by ear as long as they can. Um, and, you know, that's a huge show. So that's even more, you know, we have our hands full here doing our show, but Ari's show, particularly that last, that pro-am is a really, really big show. Well, they, they end up getting close to four or 500 competitors or something. That was something absolutely it would have, astronomical. It would have been this one, I would say, probably close to 400, I reckon. Jesus. Um, but, you know, I just... That's a lot of competitors. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, you know, sorry to all the competitors. I know there's a lot of you out there. And I think it's not easy for anyone to, to, to put your heart and soul into something and then it, you know, that goal gets taken away from you. And particularly those first timers because it's such mm. a you know you're throwing yourself in the deep end to do one of these competitions and it's everything's new to you you know the hard dieting yeah the training yeah, yeah, yeah. the the regime of everything is such a shock to the system and then for that to be taken away can be can be very difficult it's a bit easier for us we've done you know between you and i we've done over 50 shows um yeah so if it gets taken from away from us we're kind of like, okay, this has happened to us before. We know what it's like. Um, yeah. you, you become a little bit more desensitized to it. Whereas, mm. you know, when you're, you're doing it this first time, you're, you're putting, not that we don't put everything into it, but there's a lot more emotion that goes into those first couple of shows. Oh, 100%. You know? just, in, just in saying that, Dan, like there is, there are obviously the mindset around the competitors. And um, look, I've got bombarded with some of my competitors in and around Australia and also um, the New Zealand team that I run here and I'm look I'm not sure about yourself mate but you obviously you have a uh, you have a few people getting up yourself so oh not for the um, I don't have WBFF clients because obviously I'm a head judge so I've got a few in the IFBB but not, not the WBFF <laughs> one so I, well played well played buddy I'm off I'm off the hook on that one I didn't have to deal with any um any upset well, competitors but in saying that I mean yeah yeah like I, I got bombarded today um I've I think I got about 11 or 12 up for that show. Um, so I got, you know, what are we going to do? What, where do we go from here? What's the strategy coming out of it? And I, as I said to all of them, you know, like obviously lockdown and, and the circumstances in regards to training and nutrition, that there are things that I've put in place with these guys to try and keep them motivated. Um, I'm setting up whole, all new plans for them, all new home workout plans, obviously trying to make sure they're active. They're not sitting on the couch eating food. Um, and just vegging out, you know what I mean? Like we got to set some serious goals. And I think as a co- coach, we have a responsibility to make sure that we are responsible and also diligent to their well-being. So whether they're male or female, they're, you know, some of the males, obviously I find um, depending on where they're at and their conditioning and stuff, that making sure that they rebound quite well if they are choosing to step away from the stage and wait till next year or, and some of the females and vice versa, if some of them are getting up to be, you know, obviously in figure and all that sort of stuff, they're dying a little bit harder than say a bikini, uh, one of some of my bikini competitors would be, you know, so there is, there is a strategy that I'm trying to put in place for these guys to make sure that their overall, their mindset and their well being's there and their health is my number one concern. Yeah. And then obviously, too, making sure that they're still staying as active as possible while 
we're in this um, uncertain stage with the lockdowns and where we are, obviously with the case numbers and blah, 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 you know, like, um, look, you and I are exactly in the same boat ourselves with our prep. You know, we're, we we are, you know, we're, we're uncertain. Obviously, travel at the moment is not even a go-ahead right now because yeah. we're in full full lockdown. We cannot leave the country whatsoever. So um, we feel for the competitors and we're also in that same boat, which, um, you know, we're, we're both competing and, and to try and relate to these guys, we can relate because we are um, in prep. We do know what it feels like. And, you know, being at the pinnacle of, of, of our sport and obviously being pros, we we um, put a lot of time and effort into what it is that we're doing to prep as well as these guys and mentoring and coaching these guys through uh, their journey, you know. So this is still a journey for us, even though we, we don't really talk much about it. But this is a really big thing for us as well, um, you know, getting on stage. Yeah. Well, I haven't been on stage, bro, for know three years for you 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 take your buggy you got on last year or the year before so what what um, was the um the whole the the majority of your clients what was their reaction to it like in terms of were they panicking or freaking out or um i think i think some of them were just more along along the lines mate like there was probably (laughs) i'm not gonna lie there was a couple of them going thank fucking christ this is over you know i mean like i can just chill out a bit but that's not what i want to hear you know i don't want to hear that it's like you guys are putting so much time effort money you know, um, dedication and you, the discipline around not going out for dinners and and celebrating certain um, moments with friends and family and stuff. Like, don't just throw it away. Like, it's, I just find that absolutely crazy. Like, there's still an opportunity there that they can set up for a really good photo shoot. They yep. can still do some filming content. There's stuff that they can still do while they're in shape. You know, if they, these guys run a PT business or they're, they're um, looking to, you know, get some really good – um, um, photographs done and stuff like that. This is a moment where they're like, they're put on all this work just to, for what? Just to throw it away. I think that's very foolish. So yeah. as I said to these guys, majority of them um, are around what do we do now? What is our stage? Where are we going? What, Chris, what is it that we can do, you know? So um, I've jumped on the phone today with uh, half of my clients and I'll jump on the phone tomorrow with the other half, um, obviously because the conversations lead Lead, uh, lead into quite detail in regards to what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and so on and so forth. So it is a little bit time-consuming, but the main thing is is making sure that they don't give up. Yeah. You know, don't give up right now, guys. Like, just because the show has um, been postponed, you know, there is going to be a show next year, doesn't mean that you can't get some sort of benefit out of what it is that you have been doing, I think is the key yeah. key element I've been telling these guys. So. What's your advice for these guys? What do you think? Look, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. And I think it it all depends on where you want to go with this as a competitor. You know, if the, if the goal is to be a pro, um, there's a certain sort of path to take. If it was a, a one-off thing, then you're going to be a little bit more disheartened and maybe a bit easier to fall off the wagon. But if... if I totally agree. Which, totally agree. if that's the case, we need smaller goals that we can work towards to stay in check um, maybe put a photo shoot, a photo shoot in there, or something like that, to to stay motivated, or just keep chipping away that little mm-hmm. bit of weight, um, and maybe get to a a good body composition where they're happy, and then maybe slowly um, rebuild out of that. Or maybe if Agreed. you know, if you're a girl and you love the powerlifting side of it, maybe look at doing a powerlifting comp for your for your off season, something to keep you excited and and still give you a goal to work towards getting stronger, and you know, but you still keep that competitive side of it. Um, yep. or 
if you're the more competitive side and you're looking at this like i want to be the next pro well i should tell you right now you don't have an off season it doesn't stop so regardless of whether there's a show in front of you in 12 weeks or 52 weeks it doesn't stop nothing should change i have to agree with you you know nothing should change i'm like uh no, they don't. Our mindset around training is on and off season. We are constantly always training, constantly always dieting. Um, you know, like that we're always looking for obviously building other seats to the, the best capability and bringing our weak points up. No different to probably some of these guys that are looking to to get on stage with us or um, be at their best. They do have to obviously have a pretty good training schedule and nutrition yeah. I mean, um, plan leading forward, you know. And when I say nothing should change, obviously – um, the diet will change. You know, calories can increase back up. You could reverse diet or whatever. But in terms of mm. the routine and the structure of your day should not change because that's where you're going to fall off the wagon and that's where things are going to turn to shit is if you remove that structure and be like, oh, I don't have a show in front of me anymore. And then I'm um, just going to go. You're sleeping in. Yep, you drive through Mac. watching Netflix and, a bit longer. You know, <laughs> That's where it. Hey, bro, they don't even have to pay that. You see what they had on the news about the Maccas? Just sorry to divert a little bit. They put up on the news here in New Zealand, there was the lockdown. Obviously, they announced the lockdown. They had over 54 cars go through the drive through on on one of the main highways (laughs) because they had to get rid of their food. I saw (laughs) all these guys coming over. It's like 54 freaking cars, mate. Like, Maccas must have killed it. (laughs) I saw on um, Facebook some some guy was trying to sell. day old kfc <laughs> so he, he got it before <laughs> lockdown saved it and then it's trying to sell it on the next day 100 bucks for a, a bucket of chicken <laughs> <You're joking. laughs> that is gold yeah. <laughs> uh sorry to defer mate. Go back I'm, to it. <laughs> i am quite partial to a cold kfc i must say chicken that's good yeah just nothing wrong with a microwave chicken mate. yeah <laughs> but Container. Going back to it, the way I look at it, and I've been having this conversation with Chris um, Thomas, our coach, was that I said to him, look, you know, in my eyes, it's a very small chance that we will be able to do the Gold Coast show just because of travel alone. That that show might go ahead for yeah. the Australians, but it could be very difficult for us to even get over there to be able to do it. Right, right. So I said to Chris, mate, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to get ready for that show no matter what. And at the end of it, hey, I'm going to be in great shape. I can do photo shoots. But more importantly for me is to see what I've constructed over the past two years since I haven't, haven't competed, you know, because you don't, hmm. you're not shredded all year round. So you don't see all the details that you've built over that time. So for me, it's it's a good opportunity to reassess where my physique is, see what I've built up, see what could be lacking so that, okay, now let's go back um Let's go back, increase the calories again, and start working on these weaker areas so that when we step back on stage next year, we've worked on those things. Um, right. And, you know, right. also tested your will and see how far you can push yourself. You know, because every time, yep. especially for us as pros, we have to consistently get better and better every show, more and more and more conditioned, you know? And you've, we've got to stay hungry, like just because we're at a stage where we've received obviously a pro card, and that doesn't mean that we're not hungry to want to be better. Oh, of course. You know, so some of these amateurs out there, and that's just because if you do win a pro card or the show's been cancelled, like, don't don't strive to not just be just normal, like strive to be your best. Mm. Don't, don't in any way let just one little hurdle stop you from your goal. 
um, you know, and, and obviously by you just saying that is a, is a really good inspiration to the, some of these amateurs to let them know that, hey, look, you've, you've still got a plan. Um, for those that listened to our last show, Chris Thomas is both our coach, which is kind of funny because it's like a, like B1 and B2 in this particular <laughs> moment. And yeah. I'm B1. You can be B2 though, bro. It's fine. <laughs> and um, in saying that, that you guys have obviously put a plan in place for what you're going to do after that, regardless of what happens with the show. And, and this is where it comes back to our advice to the listeners out there, that if you guys, just because the show has been cancelled, don't give up. Don't just throw it away. Please don't throw it away. It's not not even worth the time and effort and just the the some of the money that you may you may have spent going into this show right now. You know, like um, set some good goals. Whether it's my clients, um, other coaches' clients here and stuff like that. Just continue to be strong and um, you know, there's all of us amongst the pro team that are here to support any amateur that's here to to motivate. Um, and to be somewhat of a, advice we possibly can give you at, in this particular um, part and time, really. One hundred percent. So, and um, you know, I know I've experienced this before. I did. Um, I remember I did the, the Arnold Classic in Ohio. Flew over to America, competed there. The next weekend, I flew from Ohio to Melbourne to compete in the Arnold Classic in Melbourne. I arrived there that day of the show. Yeah. I got gastro. My stomach just blew out hard as a rock and i had to withdraw from the show the day of you know wow and, okay. and you know you imagine how disheartening that is so i know exactly what everyone's feeling you just take it as a blessing that it's 11 weeks out or something like that and for a lot of you that do you know if the goal is to turn pro or to win or you know to to place highly you've got to remember that there's only going to be one person in that class that's going to place first and you might get yeah. third or fourth or fifth or down the line and be very disheartened. This is an opportunity to to build more, to push beyond where you would have already been. You know what I mean? So giving you a chance, giving very yourself true. a better chance. Um, and if you're in it for the long haul, yeah. you're not. It's unrealistic to think that you might turn pro in one or two years. You know, a lot of us have been doing it yeah. for ten years before they turn pro. You know, some people, some people do yeah, a dozen pro. a dozen shows before they t- turn pro. Well, I think I was a good four or five years before I turned pro. Yeah. Might have been a little bit longer, to be honest, bud. But there was a little bit of time there, you know. Probably same for you. You know, you did a, you did a lot of shows yeah. before you got your pro card. Yeah. So, guys, don't don't in any way be disheartened, you know. A pro card, at the end of the day, is obviously a real good stepping stone to obviously becoming a, a, a pro athlete. But whether you have that card or you don't have that card, you're, you're still an athlete. 100%. You still train the same way. You still eat the same way. The best athletes out there, no different to Dan and I in that, are consecutively always on our food. We are con- constantly always trying our best to get to a point where we eat, breathe, and sleep what it is that we love doing. This is this is a, still a hobby for us. This is not a chore. I don't ever wake up in the morning and go, fuck, man, I don't want to do this anymore. Or, man, I don't want to go squat fucking you know, six plates. It's like, nah, fuck that. Get under the barn. Do seven, motherfucker. Let's do yeah. it. You know, like I love – I love – Always trying to be better, and you're the exact same, bud. Yeah, I know because we've trained together, and you like last time we trained, which is on our last podcast. You end up doing what three and a half plates or something, bro? No, four, four plates. I'm four on plates. The incline. On the incline. Oh, I think it was three and a half, but I can go four. Mate, I was just four like this motherfucker. He's trying to have <laughs> ankle me. Oh, and on that note, did you see little um, Sean Poe put up a a, a little uh, um, Dan or Chris? Yeah. Uh, who's a better 
who's going to out-angle more, and he fucking got 76% or something, <laughs> smart-ass, right? So I can see that there's no frigging love on my end, bud, but oh, it looks funny. like you out-angled me, on, even not on the other podcast, but you out-angled me on the fucking, on the, on the bloody, um, on the likes too, you shithead. <laughs> bloody hell. Um, I spoke to Sean too and said we'll have to get him on the podcast at some stage. That'd be quite cool to have him on. And Yeah. So anyone that's out there that doesn't know Sean, Sean is an amazing uh, photographer and he also does a lot of the WBFF uh, photo shoots. Um, and he's the number one photographer, I think, for the New Zealand WBFF. Is that correct? Yeah, he was going to be the official Shoot. photographer this year. Um, and he yeah. did all the. So he does a lot of photo shoots all around. New yeah, he did all the. And, and he also um, does a lot of the Australian stuff and stuff. Well. He did all the backstage shots last year uh, at 2019 for the New Zealand show, and then obviously he's the best uh, fitness photographer in New Zealand, hands down. There's sort of no one that really comes close to him, and um, you know, building a really big name for himself in Australia too. You see, pretty much every pro shot shot with him. So it'd be great to get him on, and you know, his perspective on the industry, and you know, he's worked with everyone, so. Um, and he's a really he's nice an amazing athlete. Yeah. I'll be, be keen to have a yarn with him. He's, he's always good to have a chat with. He's very, um, very funny, very yeah. funny man. And always so supportive um, of everything we do. So great guy. Yeah. Now, um, we also need to talk about, obviously, uh, the activity around the lockdowns. Uh, we spoke briefly about it, but um, just trying to, like we, like we said a little bit earlier as we're talking just about the motivation level and the activity levels, um, just make sure you guys are moving and staying as active as possible. Um, we also put up a little bit of a questionnaire as well quickly tonight in regards to what people wanted to hear. Now, do you have a couple? I have a couple of... Um, uh, oh, you go um, ahead. I haven't checked. I a, I'll check mine quickly. I had a couple up here. Uh, let me just grab it now for you, mate. So... Uh, one of the questions was, what's, what is a good coach? What does a good coach uh, look like? Um, this is coming from one of my clients, and they've always said it's you, Chris, <laughs> but they want to know, they want to know what, in our industry, what is it that you and I or what competitors should look look for in a coach? So what's your advice on that? Okay. Well, how I've picked coaches in the past, I mean, I have a slight advantage of being a judge. Um, so... I sort of hear who's being coached by who. And quite often you'll see a whole line of competitors come through and they place really well. And you're like, okay, that right. coach obviously knows what they're doing because or his or her competitors have come in um, extremely well conditioned. You know, they obviously know what they're doing. Um, so someone that has experience, proven experience, that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that someone that's new in the game can't be a great coach either. Totally agree. Um, but experience obviously does help. That just gives you a little bit more trust um, to who you're working with because they're proven. Um, secondly, I would say I think personalities are a very big thing. You know, you can't have clashing personalities. Otherwise, it's it's just – doesn't work. Yeah, it's hard to communicate and feelings can be hurt and things can be taken the wrong way, um, you know, because our job as, yep. a, as a coach is to, you know, we have to be supportive, but at the same time, we, we have to be critical particularly as bodybuilding coaches, when you're stepping on stage, you know, you're going to be judged. So your coach is going to judge you as the same. And if they think you're not pulling, pulling enough weight and you need to giddy up, you know, they're going to have to tell you that without you being offended. And so things have to be taken the, the right way and you have to, the communication has to really work together, you know, 
Totally um, agree. And I know people that have worked with great coaches, but they just found that they, you know, the personalities clashed. Didn't, didn't click. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they weren't a great coach or they weren't a, a great client. It was just that the personalities didn't match, you know. So I think that's a very big, a big thing. Um, Element. Yeah. And so your your main factor is, is obviously just personality and making sure seeing what they actually produce. Yeah. So what's their clients actually coming out like, and obviously on a on a on a, a consistent basis. Yeah. Is something that you look for, is it? Yeah. For me, that would be, um, and making sure that you know their past clients, how have they rebounded out of shows and stuff like that. You know, have they been given, That's have they been given the right That's education, right. Yeah. or have they been left? high and dry once they've finished the show and they've eaten their cookies and they've kind of all of a sudden they <laughs> oh, put man, on 10 kilos. Um, <laughs> even though a lot of the time that can be self-inflicted just, and they, you're not going to listen to your coach anyway after <laughs> you jump off stage. Like, I, I like how you say this because I, I remember you smashing down, I don't know how many fucking <laughs> cookies mate, after the last show you got up oh. on. You posted up on your story, but I've never seen someone smash down close to a hundred cookies in a night. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a shocker for it. You know, and you're terrible. Yeah, and um, you know, that's my coach has got to do. You still stay in shape, though. You still, yeah, you still stay in shape. Yeah, but um, so you look for the rebound on on um, also how they come out of obviously their prep and and seeing their performance levels after yeah. prep, and just making sure also, and you know, you have to ask around. Like if you if you see a coach you think you like they like you like, ask their clients. You know, how do you find working with so and so? Um, how much calories are you on? Because the last thing you want is that's, a, that's actually you know really you, good one. you yeah. do see some inexperienced coaches having girls on very very low calories. Um, I know which saw is, one on fucking seven hundred calories. You know, it's like what the hell? That's, that's just detrimental to their health, and it's going to leave you with a very mm. bad taste in your mouth, and you're going to have all kinds of mm. problems coming out of it. Um, so just making sure that you're treated well all round. You know, not just that right. show aspect. Right. It has to be your health as a whole in and out of the show. I think it's, you know, really, really important. How about you? Um, look, I've had a couple of coaches, uh, obviously, through my time of obviously bodybuilding that. And I would have to say I've like my first experience with a coach was when I first started. And I remember taking away from that experience um, just the amount of clientele he had. So he had – oh. I can remember I did a training session with him. Um, and I'm not, look, I'm not going to say any names over, obviously, the podcast and that, but um, very my very first couple of shows, I remember doing a training session with him and he was on his phone the whole entire time talking to other clients. You know, this is a paid session, mind yeah. you. And um, for me, I, I sort of was like, you know, fuck, is this really what it's like? You know, everyone keeps talking about him. He's the number one guy for what it is that I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying he didn't know his stuff. He obviously did, but my even my food never changed. He used to come in there and he just looked at me and be like, "Yeah, cool, whatever." And and I, I remember this was the the turning point for me was when I won my show. He wasn't backstage; he was there all day, but he was so focused on two or three clients of his that were probably what would you say like the favourites, you know, the the favourites yep. or whatever they might have been. And and I I pay just as much as they would have or I did it just as much work as they did and whatever. And I remember getting my award off stage and he wasn't even there, man. Like he was just didn't really care. He didn't even know that I won, you know. So that's when I decided to leave and I went to my second coach. And, and the second coach I was with, 
was an amazing coach. Um, he became one of my best mates there for a long time. And um, yeah, I think, I think because we had such a, an amazing friendship over that duration of time, we came a little bit displacent, I suppose, you know, we sort of had a banter and all that sort of stuff. And um, there was a point there where I really needed him. And unfortunately, I think I felt a little bit neglected. Um, and I'll never, ever speak badly of this person because he he was an amazing person. He was very educated. I still idolize him. I still look up to this guy. Um, and then sort of, you know, not long out of jumping to the WBFF and that, um, I had Chris reach out to me and Chris sort of said, hey, look, you know, like if you need any help, I'm always here. You know, it's not going to cost you anything. Just, you know, I believe in you, mate. Um, and ever since that sort of moment, I sort of made a very, very tough decision on what it is that I did. And um, I felt by making that decision, it could upset not only a friendship, but um, upset, obviously, the dynamics of where I was with this person. And, and unfortunately, it did, you know, and that as hard as it might have said, I, I felt that my friend at that particular time thought that I did the wrong thing by him, which in that case, I actually didn't, you know, I, I just, I, I was paying for something and I wanted to get the optimal, um, optimal response and, and wanted to make sure that they were there for me. So dealing with Chris and having Chris in my corner the whole entire time, not only is he one of my best mates and we've become best mates over the last four years or something, um, but he, the way that he coaches, I have implemented and done for my clients Always being there is number one. I'm always contactable. Um, whenever I've asked for Chris's help, whenever I needed to talk to him, that he's always made time for me. Um, and I find that to be very, very good for the mindset. So I've imp I've implemented some of the theories that he has done as a coach to me that I now do with mine in regards to being there for them, making sure that I'm um, I am reliable. I want to make sure that I, at the end of the day, that I am responsible. I'm responsible for people's health. So making sure at the end of the day that uh, my Chris is, Chris has always made sure that he checks checks in. And you know this as well, Dan, like he checks in on you. Yep. He's always, always practice what he preaches. He, he is very strategic in how he approaches things. And he's very, very clear on how he wants something done or how he expects the job to be finished. Yep. So, and I found by implementing some of his things that has made me a better coach um, over the last few years, obviously working with him. And, and Chris has obviously been around for a very long time, you know, mm -hmm. like he's an amazing bodybuilder himself. Um, unfortunately, I know Chris is probably going to listen to the feedback on that, but he never got his pro card. So just saying, you know, like, Chris, what's going on here, mate? Like, hopefully you see you back up on well, stage. he's looking pretty, and, um, pretty awesome mate, right now. Good, he? See, what's going on, yeah, mate? What so, are you doing? Are you <laughs> Getting up or what? So as a – oh, that's the thing. As a coach, he's always in shape, yeah. isn't he? He's always just – he just – he eats the same food. He does everything the same way. So for me, it was a pretty no-brainer because when I needed someone, he was there for me. Yeah. Um, so my advice out there is is making sure that a coach – you're getting, the, you're getting your, your money's worth. Yeah. What is it that you're paying? Yeah. You know, put a cost factor to it. So for – for every dollar that you spend, what is it that you're trying to accomplish with that coach? Yeah. So I look at the reliability. I look at um, the responsibility. I look at obviously previous clients like you do. I obviously look at what their status is. If they do have some sort of degree, if they do have some sort of education, how long have they been in the industry for? 
What is it that they do? Do they love their job? Are they just doing it for the money? Whatever it may be. And then on top of that, if they specialize in something. So there's there's coaches out there that specialize just in bikini. There's coaches out there that just specialize in bodybuilding. You know, it's no different to a coach goes out there and specializes in a hundred meter sprinter. Yeah. You know, you gotta you gotta find what it is that you are with inside the sport and you find that coach for one you 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 click with, which obviously you said a little bit earlier, you have that ability to call them and and there is a level of respect that you have for one another and it's not a waste of time. You know, you don't want to be on you don't want to be talking to your coach and like, oh yep, cool, and they try and cut you off real fast or your opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. A coach, a good coach will always listen to yep. you and they will always give you the right feedback. A good coach will always tell you at the end of the day if you look good, if you need to improve, or you look terrible. Yeah. You know, and, and try your best to always perform at a certain level. They always motivate you to perform at their best. And I, I find over the years of obviously being in this sport and that, I've seen amazing, amazing coaches. And like you said earlier, Dan, I've seen some fucking terrible yeah. ones, bro. I mean, I think we're this day and age, we're, we're pretty lucky that how many good coaches there are out there now. So, I mean, the market is very flooded with phenomenal coaches. So I don't think it's hard to pick up. I mean, there's handfuls of coaches that I would love to work with, you know? Right. You know, right. that if for whatever reason I couldn't work with Chris any any longer, you know, I can go Joe Bloggs over here, this person over here, they're, they're everywhere and they're all proven, you know? I think another yep. thing should probably mention is that obviously not all the listeners are bodybuilders. So a lot of you are going to be just no, just weight course, loss, course, just yeah. weight loss, or maybe you're just looking to put on a little bit of mu- bit of muscle, or maybe you just want to get a little bit leaner. You right. don't necessarily need to go to a bodybuilding coach. And transformation coaches right. are out there. There's 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 heaps yeah. of coaches, and and the, yeah. the psyche can be a little bit different as well in terms of the coaching. You know, a, a, if they're more structured towards bodybuilding, um, things can be a little bit more cut and dry, black and white. You know, mm. because. Mm. Can, like for myself, I know I'm a pretty easy client to work with because you just give me one, two, three, four, five. A plan and you yep, stick it. Sweet, no worries. It's done. End of the week, how did everything go? 100%. Coach is happy. He doesn't have to worry about anything. If So if you're not competing, um, you probably need a little bit, maybe maybe a little bit more emotional support. Um, you know, if right. they could be trying to tidy up bad eating habits or psychological issues that, um, are associated with weight gain or weight loss. Um, so you need someone maybe that has a little bit more time to invest that in you. So that's something else to look at um, instead of just going for whoever's the the toughest bodybuilding coach, you know? I totally agree with you. And there's another thing to add to that as well, like just as you were saying, transformations and stuff. So if I have seen, especially here in New Zealand, two good coaches that have been overweight and have lost a lot of weight, yeah. And they have obviously gone back to school and studied nutrition or they've they've gone back and they've studied some sort of course in regards to their profession now. And the relatability that these guys have with their clients because they've been there, they know what it's like to be overweight, or they've had some sort of struggle. Yeah. They've had they've had a moment in their life where they've 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 needed help. And now that they know what it feels like to be in that position, and it could be anything, depression, it could be overweight, it could be anorexia, it could be anything. Mm. There is a coach out there that the relatability for what it is that you're trying to find, you will find them. Just make sure you do your research. Be diligent in, in what it is that you're trying to find and make sure you ask them questions. Yeah. 
big thing that I found, like I have, I send out a questionnaire, you know, like I ask my clients, hey, look, what's your email? Give us a questionnaire, fill this out. And then if there's any more information I need from you, just to see if I know where their mindset's at, you know, and trying to get to know that client before I start working with them. And any any coach out there or a, a person that cares about their job or their client should be doing this. So guys out there, like make sure you ask them questions. If they don't know the question, then maybe they're not the person for mm. you. You know, like um, if it's more basis around some sort of intolerant or it could be something to do with a better time on, on a lap or it could be a swimming coach, it could be anything, you know what I mean? Like just make sure that you you, you ask those questions. I think questions are a really big thing, man. Like some people go, oh, it's sort of a referred client or it could be a referability. Yeah, true, but doesn't mean that I or someone else is the right person for you. Yeah. You know, so just just be mindful. I would say, you know, ask the questions. Ask those questions that you need to need to be answered. Definitely. You know. Um, now I've got another one here. Um, so back to it. Uh, we've already talked about this staying on track and mindset for lockdowns. So we've already run over that a little bit earlier. Yep. Uh, when is the next WBFF show likely to be, Dan? Talk to us. Talk to these people and let them know. <laughs> so um, and talks with the venue at the moment. So. Um, we just have to pick um, what date we can make it work. Um, but we were definitely looking for the first half of 2022. So, so you're looking from January to, to June, in between there somewhere. To June. Um, okay. So we just have to work out what is going to be optimal there, what availability there is for the venue, and um, just clearing it with Paul and Allison. So we'll have another discussion with them. Uh, probably in the coming weeks because they've been busy with Worlds. Um, and then we'll get a date locked in. So I've, I'll have a call with the venue next week and um, we'll try it. We'll okay. know something soon. So so hopefully, hopefully be the start of next yeah, year is what ideally. you're pretty yeah. much we're, saying we, and, 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 and what you guys are in discussion. We definitely with. don't want to wait till October, November next year. October. Okay. Okay, because that means that's a long time off, especially if, if it's a little bit earlier in the year. Obviously, some of these competitors can really start staying on track and planning for next exactly. year. Just like we're saying, that mindset and goal setting sort of stage, yep. yeah? Um, Who would win out of an arm wrestle between you and me? Ooh, probably you. I reckon, I, reckon, I don't know, I reckon you might. Your arm's uh, my, huge, bro. My elbow's, like, I've just got big shoulders. My elbow's busted. Plus... I, I'll take that. That's a win for me. I'll take that. That's an injury. Right. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a. What do you call it? One of those eagles trying to get a wounded animal. That's great. I'm <laughs> win that one. But to be honest, <laughs> I have a fucking fear of arm wrestling. It scares the shit out of me. Yeah. If you're if you're arm wrestling I've someone really strong, seen, like you see how many people's arms snap and shit. I'm just like, oh, I know. I've seen that. Eh? I've seen that. Uh, what is your best advice around weight loss? Dan, what's your best what's your best advice? Um, start tracking your food. You know, just get my fitness pal and start tracking your food and just see where your calories are at. You can find a bit have to agree yep, with you. You 100%. can find a BMI calculator online to get a rough idea of maybe where you should be. Um, you can do this pretty easily. You don't have to be a nutritionist, you don't have to be a personal trainer or anything to work these things out. They're free, they're online, they're tools for you to use just to get your head around where you should possibly be. It could be that you're eating a thousand calories a day that you don't need to be. And so you're just putting on that excess weight. And all it could be is just tidying up the food, lowering the portions or making better choices. It's usually just around making choices, you know, something that's, Mm -hmm. 
you know, a lot of the products are so misleading on the market today where it's sugar free, but then it is packed with fat, you know, to get the flavor in there. So right. people think, oh, it's sugar free. It's healthy. It's going to be low calorie. No, it's packed with fat. So the calories are even higher than the, the, the sugar, you know? <laughs> and so people think they've taken the, the healthy alternative, but it's packed with fat. And a lot of these diets are like that too. These fad diets of, you know, um, these paleo type meals and, uh, keto, yeah, and yeah, if yeah, yeah. If you don't know what you're doing and you're eating these foods, they're packed with fat, and you're going to put on weight really, really fast. Right. You know right. these. I would have to say the same. I reckon tracking yeah. food, 100 percent tracking food. Um, what is your max squat? Ooh. I'm just reading these as I as I read yeah. them, bro. What is your max squat? What was your max squat? I wouldn't even be able to. I don't know if I've ever even tried a max squat. I've never been a squatter. Mm. Um. I've always had lower back pain, so I've never really built my squats up. If I had to guess, I would say not much, early 200s. Wow, the leg's that big, yeah. mate. But you throw me on a leg press, I'll <laughs> – not that that counts. But, um... that's, not even, that's not even a question on you, but you can't just throw that in anywhere. <laughs> oh, you dag. I can probably bench press um... more than I can squat. Mate, I, I can out-squat you, but I can't out-bench-press you, that's for sure. You, you got me on that one, brother. Well, what's your, what's your um, max squat? Uh, my max squat's six and a half plates with bar. So what's that? Um, uh, six, 240, 260, 280. 280. 280 yeah. squat. I got that for two. Uh, my, my legs are real strong, bro. Like, they're crazy strong. Um, not look, that's just to, to how I've, you know, obviously been – been a basketball player to a boxer to being an Ethiopian looking sort of runner. You know, I mean, like for me to hold this amount of weight's been pretty tough for me. I'm not going to lie, but coming from obviously the background of being a, a, um, a track runner and then going into fighting and then from fighting going into bodybuilding, yeah. for me to have not the developmental leg insertion, say like what mm-hmm. you do, um, I think that's pretty impressive for where I'm at. You know what I mean? Like a 280 yeah, squat huge. is pretty impressive for someone at six foot one, yeah. you know. But there's guys out there, like you look at Keegan Thornhill and that guy I is, ugh, I have never seen a human that tall and that strong yeah. in my whole entire life. Um, he is a freaky big guy. Um, and he's just an example, obviously, of, of uh, what would you say, like a, um, a long leverage yeah. human. Yeah. And then to he's like he does some stupid weight, you yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah, two eighty squat for me, That's brother. Two eighty squat on that one. Um, what's your favorite cheat meal? I've only got a couple more. So, what's your favorite cheat meal? Um, oh man, it changes all the time. I would say mm. a go-to would always. What are you craving right now? What are you craving right now, mate? Ooh. We're in prep and we've we've done it pretty good. Yeah, I've been. My cheat's not till Saturday. Don't tell Chris, but I, <laughs> think I might have a cheat meal on Saturday. I'm going to have to call him and say, "Can I have a cheat meal?" I don't think he's going to agree, but anyway, I'll, I'll see what he says. I've been spot on. What's your uh, um shit? What have I been craving? I want twenty-four Krispy Kreme donuts. That's what I want. Are we talking a meal, or are we talking like a? It doesn't matter. I just want Krispy Kreme fucking donuts, yeah. but I am I am hanging for those glazies. I love, yeah, you, know, you know. Obviously, I'm a cookie man. I'm a big dessert. Probably, I remember you probably st- a cheesecake. I'll put away. I'll put away a couple of cheesecakes in a sitting. No worries. Oh, Would yeah. you? Easy. 
Mate, I remember going out, like I said a bit earlier with your buddy, your cookie fetish, but I'm telling you now, I've never seen a human eat the amount of food at one sitting ever. Me? You're, 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 oh, yeah, bro. Remember we went out We went out for that buddy uh, meal? Was, um, it must have been the Australian show, I think it was. We all went out, and you end up eating fucking <laughs> burgers, <laughs> burgers, chips. He had a pizza, and then he sent me a fucking message after, and he had ice cream. Oh, that's right. Coke. Bro, remember, yeah, yeah. you fucking went to town, and I've never seen someone put away that, and you're just like, Woke up the next day and you're just like, we're fine. I've never seen anything like it, bro. So much respect to you and your goddamn tummy, buddy. Oh, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not quite as strong as it used to be. But um, I remember after an IFBB show one time, I did um, decide I was going to do a calorie challenge because I knew, you know, I was renowned for doing these ridiculous meals after a show. So I was like, bugger, yeah. let's record it and see how much. It ended up being like 22,000 calories in about 24 hours straight after a show. Yeah, <laughs> I remember we went to. That is fucking awesome. I remember we went to this. Um, it's quite, I think it's called the Chocolate Boutique. It's in um, in Auckland. It's like a dessert bar. Yeah. Went there, and this was just like post lunch, and then grabbed like six desserts. Just sat there and ate them all. Everyone's everyone else had competed, and they sitting there with one dessert. I'm there with six of them. I got photos of it on my phone. <laughs> and then we'd go home, and then order Domino's, and then got Maccas on the drive home. Oh, it's just ridiculous. But I can't do that anymore. I'm, it's not not my stomach's um, not as tough as it used to be. I think I don't know if you find this, but I have to agree with all the competing and you know with with removing all the dairy and stuff from your diet. Once you reintroduce it, oh you man, just don't have it those bacteria yeah. enzymes, or you don't have the digestive enzymes anymore. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. So now it's so guys out there that are looking at getting into obviously at the sport that we we are in in bodybuilding. You will start to find that once you're in your preps, and the more preps you do, you do find an intolerant to food does change. Yeah, once you so introduce um, it back, I can't I can't eat bloody cheese toasties like I used to, mate. I used to eat like a fucking like two loaves of cheese toasties, <laughs> easy. Now I have one cheese toast and I look like I'm nine nine months pregnant. Yeah. It's crazy. I just can't handle the cheese or anything. Yeah. As a kid, I remember I used to mum used to hate it because I'd go through two to four liters of milk a day. <laughs> so did I. And I would I would eat Milo, so I'd put like, um, like six six heap teaspoons of Milo in the in there with about four heap teaspoons of sugar, yeah. and it'd stir it up, and it would you know it'd go like dark brown. Then you eat the Milo off the top, and then the milk would turn to like yeah. a syrup, and then you would drink the milk, oh, and then in the bottom, mad. then you'd yeah. scoop out all the sugar at the bottom. And I used to eat that religiously yeah. as a kid, and I was shredded all year round. It was. I was the same. I was the same. I was always on the because I was on the BMX. Yeah. I remember still to this day that one of the best achievements I ever did was when I got home from school. I remember I was starving, yeah. And what I did was I ended up finishing off twenty four wheat bits <laughs> and one full loaf of bread, Jeez. right? So I used to get, I used to have with these wheat bits. My mum couldn't believe it. She's like, "You are." Fucking pig, right? But I was so I was so hungry because all I used to do was play yeah. basketball and run and all this sort of shit. Be on the BMX, and um, I came home and I end up getting this massive bowl. So I used to get this bowl and then with the bowl, I used to put hot water over it, fill it up with milk and then turn it into like a, a, a porridge, yeah. right? Put heaps of sugar on it and then I used to dip toast into toast. it. Right? Well, toast, yeah. So I used to get toast with butter on it and I used to dip it in. I was fucking mean, right? I could, oh man, I could even go that now. I'm so hungry, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so I used to dip that in. I went through a loaf, 24 slices of bread, right? With 20, no, is it 20, 24? 
It was 24 wheat picks, but it was one full loaf. So Holy full crap. Loaf, 20 slices or something. Mate, and I, I remember within an hour of that, I was hungry again. Yeah. It was fucking epic, epic metabolism. I, I remember when I was um, at school, I was just thinking about it now because I was the same, so active as a kid. Like I was either out on my skateboard, mountain bike, I was playing rugby, I was boxing, I used to do athletics, like everything. And we were never inside the house. Same had basketball hoop in the, in the driveway. And when I was at school, you, used to, you probably only have one overweight kid in your class, and that was it. Can you imagine what it would be now? Because these kids are just not as active. Oh, They're out there. And that that's probably another topic that we need to get onto with years, you know, but I have we'll, to. We'll do that one on another. There's so many people. I don't know. Another yeah, there's like kids kicking footies no. or basketball as much anymore. It's kind of, look, I don't know because I haven't grown up here in New Zealand, but, you know, obviously back home and that we were very sports orientated, especially in Melbourne. We've got, you know, all of us were playing basketball or football. Football is pretty big cricket in through yeah. the summer. You know, um, rugby wasn't as big, obviously, back home um, as it is here. Like, rugby's huge here, and, like, some of the Kiwi boys here are fucking yeah. jacked, bro. They're just they're, Some of these young 18, 19-year-olds are fucking huge. But we were always playing some sort of sport growing up. Now, obviously, me being away from home for a little bit, but I remember through my 20s and into my early 30s, man, there's not as many kids out playing sports or down ball no. or just doing track and field stuff anymore. Like, um, And they're so stuck. Obviously, to their iPads and that, but look, that's a whole another another episode yeah. about that boy. If we even get stuck <laughs> into that, you know. <laughs> but um, uh, final question is, um, hold a sec, I have one more. Um, um, what is your uh, yep? Yeah, what is your number one regret if you have one? True. No, um, yeah. What is number, yeah, number one regret? It was not, and this is what introduced me to bodybuilding. I was not, um, I never gave 100% at anything as a teenager coming up through, okay. you know, like we were just talking about playing sports and doing all that. And I could have played age groups and everything I put my, my hand to. But I didn't care too much for it. You know, I loved playing the sports, but I hated training. I, you know, I'd go to rugby on Saturday and I loved it, turn it up, play the game, have a blinder, come Tuesday, go training. <laughs> hated it. Any excuse I could make to not go train. To get yeah. out of it. And I could have, I, I believe I could have done a lot. Had I put in the effort, I didn't have the discipline as a, as a teenager. And even in my, my early 20s, you know, you sort of went through that partying phase and, you're pissing your wages up against the wall every week and which is fine. You know, you have your fun, but um, as you get older, you kind of look back and you think, geez, I wasted a lot of time just mucking around where I wish I had the mentality that I had now. And I put that effort in when I was younger and um, you know, guys that I was playing with were play turned it all blacks, you know, and maybe, maybe if I don't. So your, so your big thing was for rugby. Well, was it? Not necessarily to become a professional rugby player, like I had the opportunity to and I ended up getting injured, but not necessarily rugby, but just having that mindset into anything I put my hand to back right. then, you know, it was just like you yeah, did it was not having the discipline. And that was the when I did my very first bodybuilding show, that was like my first commitment to myself was like, okay, I'm going to give this 100%. I'm going to do stick to the plan every single meal. I'm not going to do anything off the plan. I'm going to give it 100% because I'd never given anything 100%. 
I'd always half assed everything and done well. Right. So what happens right. if I give it 100%? And so I gave it that 100%, that very first show I did. I went in as an amateur, and then I won the, I won the novice, and then I won the open, and then everyone's like, I was like, oh, my God. That was amazing. I mean, it was such a good feeling that I was rewarded for yeah. Yeah. putting in that effort, and then that kind of just changed how I saw a lot of everything from there on out. So my biggest regret is not learning that younger and putting that, applying okay. that to my life. Right. Yeah. How about you? Man, I think I've got two. Yeah? I think I've, yeah, I've got two, I think. One of them is um, wish I could have been, a, you know, a, um, more awesome than what I already am. Um, <laughs> that's my number one regret. I think I could have put a bit more effort into being even more cooler. But... Um, <laughs> But but unfortunately, people like yourself and that dragged me down, so it made me very hard in the situation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm shits and gigs. Um, no, I think for me, man, I look. I have to somewhat agree with you on that path. I, I wish I had a pro fight. Yep. Um, I was a boxer for some many years. For people that don't know, I was a fighter for 14 years. So for me, like um, maybe have a pro fight. I was a pretty good fighter. Yep. Um, I, I, I don't have no sort of fear, if that yeah. makes sense. Like it, the, you do and you don't like, you know, like you get, I remember the first time getting in the ring, man, and you just like, fuck, it's either him or yeah, me. Exactly. Right. And it ain't going to be fucking me today. Right. And cause I was such a pretty boy and that I'd never want to get hit in the face, you know, as much as I sort of, um, sort of didn't care. I, I still didn't want to have. Black, blackened eyes and all that sort of, you know, broken nose like I do and all that sort of yeah. shit, you know. But um, in saying that, probably be like maybe a pro fight. Um, yeah, would probably be number one. And number two, I, this is the first time ever in a prep that I have committed to 20 weeks. Good man. Ever. Yeah. So over the – which I've always been very disciplined through my teens and always very disciplined with fighting, with basketball, with track and athletics and stuff like that. I've always been very disciplined in, in the way that I perform. But from a nutrition standpoint and from a um, a diet standpoint, I have never, ever, ever in the whole entire time of me bodybuilding and my career in bodybuilding have I done a 20-week prep. Yeah. So due to the circumstances right now and how – Obviously, the lockdowns and stuff have progressed. It's been very um, – a little bit of a, a, a fuck you back to me, Chris, be like, well, you've had plenty of opportunities to do 20 weeks and perform at your best, and I haven't had yeah. that chance until yeah. now. So um, every single prep that I've done has been either between six or eight weeks, yeah. um, and I've won majority of my shows on those sorts of time frames. Yeah. So that's a very lazy mentality in regards to – Finding, um, finding my highest uh, performance level and condition standpoint because I've always just winged yeah. it until I make a decision on yeah. a show. So it's like, oh, this show's coming up. Should I? Shouldn't I do it? And then I'll wake up the next morning and be like, fuck, I'm in prep. Mm. And then I've got seven or eight weeks to do it, you know, and then I obviously grind so hard and, and to a point where um, obviously I don't, I don't, get the conditioning that I want or I don't get to a point where I'm um, as big as I need to be and so on and so forth because I've just been so sporadic and spontaneous in regards to picking a show up until now. 
So I do have to agree with you. I think the discipline in regards to my bodybuilding, not my other careers in regards to my other sports, but especially now in my my life and where I'm at and how settled I am and then going into this prep would have been, I reckon I would have brought my aim game to this next show, you know? So um, yet again, I'll have to agree with you and say, um, yeah, it'd have to be probably the discipline leap for the nutrition. So the amateurs that are out there, like it is a hard sport that we attend yep. to. This is a hard thing that we do. You know, there's so many temptations. There's chocolate, mm-hmm. there's ice cream, there's cookies that fucking Dan keeps eating. There's bloody, um, <laughs> there's, you know, there's junk food around the corner, all that sort of stuff that we all like. We all like to indulge at some point in our lives. But I think over the last, uh, especially 18 months for me in how I've, um, gone into not only this prep, but my mindset around training and not having so many injuries and all this sort of stuff. This is the number one time where I feel like my my physique is probably the best I'll ever ever be up on stage. And that's not from a, a standpoint of saying I'm going to beat this guy, beat that guy. It's like this is my best, and if I win at my best, and I know that I can walk away from this show thinking in my own mind that I've given it 110. Yeah. percent There's nothing worse than walking you know, away from a show and you know you lift. Some on the tank. I've done that. Yeah, I've done that. Like I did that on my first WBFF show. You know, I, I wing that on eight weeks. I think it was just under eight yeah. weeks. I wing that, and I placed fifth of that show. Um, and that's that was when Matt O'Reilly uh, won that show, and he turned pro for his very very first bodybuilding show. And that that guy's phenomenal, yeah. you know. Um, and then there was in, there was a that lineup was a stacked lineup. I think you judged yeah. that. Did you yeah, judge that? that. Man, that was that was a really tough lineup, and I remember because I came off a win and I won the Australians off that. I remember coming off that win. No, I actually came here to New Zealand. I played second in the super heavies, I think it was, or the light heavyweights, one of the two, uh, because I was up against this massive gorilla of a guy. It was fucking huge, right? And here I am trying to get into a classic physique, you know, trying to make weight, and you know, I'm fucking, you know. Anyway, so um, I think. Um, Placing fifth at that show was a real big reality check for me, yeah. man. Like I think that was. I remember, I remember you coming back out and, back. and I was thinking, "Jesus, guy's got phenomenal physique." But there was just the conditioning was was lacking. You conditioning. Know? Yeah. It was like, "Geez, if this guy gets shredded, he's going to be couple... tough to beat." Yeah, I, like I remember Keegan Thornhill and the boys from the Indomitable podcast. Shout out to those boys because they're they're a good good bunch of lads yeah. back home. Um, they had mentioned, you know, like if if Chris brings his conditioning and stuff like that, and yet to date I haven't brought that conditioning, man. I just I haven't had an opportunity, obviously traveling the world and and living now in two different countries and stuff like that, and trying to find a, a place of settlement yeah. to a degree where I can have consistency. And this is another thing for these guys: consistency. You know, making sure that your food's on track, your training's on track, the the sleep, um, your day to day activities are all very coordinated and very uh routine yep. so i've never really had that you know especially living in asia and then coming across here to new zealand where the cultures are very very different mm. you know like he's very close to home and and having that stability over the last like i've been here nearly three years but the stability starting a new business and then obviously 18 months of preparation and finding a rhythm with training and getting my, my six to seven meals in a day and all that sort of stuff um you know, so I think overall, leading into this show, I know that I could have walked away and gone. You know what? 
hands down, if yourself or someone else had beaten me or whatever, I'd be like, cool, I'll shake your hand, give you a massive cuddle and say, well done. Yeah. You know, because you outworked me, you outsized me, you outconditioned me, whatever it may have been. Um, I would have known at that particular stage that I could have walked away and said, I couldn't have done any more than what I did, yeah. you know. And that's the first time ever in my bodybuilding career I can actually say that, apart from apart from when I, I did the Australian show and that time length between winning the Victorians and winning the Australian, overall Australian champ on that one, that time frame between the six and seven weeks, I still didn't even give it my all until the final two weeks of the Australians. Yeah. You know, and I thought I did it pretty tough then, but this this um, this this would have been a good twenty week prep for yeah. me, mentally, physically, and spiritually, hundred percent. So, um, well, I think that's a pretty. It, but that's the that's question. A important message for you know those competitors that you know are, um, have to sit out this New Zealand show. Is that what we've just been saying? Is these opportunities that we've kind of let let it pass us by? Um, you know, mm. here take mm. a lesson from us. We we regret not putting in the hard work when we had the opportunity to. So take this as yeah, a blessing. You know, like- this extra time that you have, now it's time to double down and work even harder so that you're even better for that next show next year. Because if you get to that show and you and you sit on your ass now, for the next how many ever weeks before you decide to get out of your slump again and get back into it, you're going to mm-hmm. get to that finish line and you'll be like, man, if I had just put in an extra – three or four hard weeks then when I took my foot off the pedal, how much better would I be right now? So don't have that regret. And this is the, and this, oh, and this is the thing. Coming out of that show, guys, you're going to have time to fucking eat. You're going to have time to chill yeah. out. Like it's three fucking weeks or four weeks like where you guys have got to really stick it down to the hard yards. Like, yes, it's tough. It's tough. It's mentally tough. It's, it's emotionally draining. Like your relationships can obviously uh, be strained as well with your partners or family or whatever it may be. Yes, it's tough. You are picking a very tough sport, but it's very rewarding. It can be very rewarding. This is not from this is not from a um, uh, 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 an opportunity in regards to a work and all that sort of stuff. This is an opportunity in regards to how you feel about yourself. You know, you're rewarding not only just the discipline that you guys are giving yourself. Like it's no different to when you see a black belt in karate, right? And, and the amount of time and time again when they have to constantly do their dance, they have to constantly do a routine to try and get up to a black belt is the highest pinnacle of that sport. And they are hours and hours and hours of training. It is no different to what we're doing. Yeah. yeah? It's hours and hours and hours of training and discipline. So the discipline that you are getting out of this and the time frame that you have dedicated and sacrificed away from whatever it is that you may love or whatever it is that you – your comfort zone that what we may say, you know, sitting watching your favorite show or you got to go out and do your cardio in the morning and get up a little bit earlier. Or it could be like, Oh fuck, I didn't eat my ice cream tonight. You're going to get all those back. You get all those, like they're not going anywhere. Like when people think it's the world war three that they're, (laughs) Oh Jesus Christ. I can't have a bloody chocolate block or I can't have a, a, you know, a glass of Coke. Fuck, chill out. You're going to get those opportunities back. It's just, it's a short discipline frame for a real optimal outcome and overall reward that you may receive in the long yeah. haul, I think. You know, like this is a very rewarding sport for me, no different to when I was doing my other sports. I find this to be so disciplined in regards to what it is that we give up. Time away from my parents, time away from my sister. This is time away from my best friends. This is time away even from work. 
You know, like there is times where you have to sacrifice these things just because there is some sort of output or outgain that you're you are you are going to get from this. And it could be from a sponsorship. It could be when first. It could be getting your pro card. It could be just getting up there and taking some photos and saying, "Fuck, I accomplished getting up on stage for one." Mm-hmm. Like the biggest thing I find, especially with clients at the moment, is is that. A lot of them are like, oh, I want to do it for the experience. That's great. You know, get up there. And, and obviously, it's very nerve-wracking getting up in, you know, for us, it's trunks and for girls, it's bikinis. You know, some of them have never been in front of an audience of, you know, one or two people, let alone, you know, 500 to yeah. 1,000. So, you know, the accomplishments that you can get from from doing stuff like this and the dedication, I think, is very rewarding in the long haul, oh, and it, regardless of what your end goal is. And the resilience you build that is transferable to- to all of your life because once you go through that prep and obviously it's not the hardest thing in the world like you go be a seal or navy seal or the sas or something like that like that's you know those <laughs> are those say a seal mate Wait, we go swimming you swimming with a fish mate <laughs> you know bodybuilders we ain't shit compared to those what they go through you know but we we do oh, get a we get yeah. a, a sniff at pushing ourselves to the limit and building that resilience mm. That will transfer into all aspects of your life, life, and the discipline, and it will you will become once you walk, you know, the show's finished and things get back in line. You can start applying that to to everything else in your life, whether it's work or family and structuring mm-hmm. your day um, and making the most of your time. So there's plenty to take away from it. Good point. Good point, Poe. Yeah, that's the question. So I've had on here, mate. Um, do you have anything on your end? No, none from me. Mate, what's going on? Apparently, you got seventy six percent. I got fucking thirty four or something. What's going on here? I think Can't I posted too me. many stories today, so, and um, everyone's sick of me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, for us. I think we'll wrap um, it up. We just covered a couple of points that we wanted to to um, to cover, especially about mindset, the show in general. Obviously, we're in lockdown, and then um, uh, the activity around being locked down and what these guys should be doing. So, hey, look, please send us an inbox. Um, or if there's questions that you want us to answer. Now that we're in lockdown, Dan and I have made a commitment that we're going to try and get a podcast out every couple of days. Uh, I know there's people out there that want to obviously um, have a podcast to listen to while they're walking and trying to keep active and stuff like that. So we've made a commitment um, to obviously uh, this new podcast that we're going to actively be as as um, as efficient and obviously yet again, proactive on trying to get these out to you guys so you can listen to them while you're doing your cardio or while you might be doing a house training or just just to sort of have a listen so you can sort of zone out a little bit and hear our voices because, you know, we're two men with kind of tone. Beautiful. (laughs) Got a grain in this talk, (laughs) mate. (laughs) So make sure you guys uh, like and subscribe and please send us a uh, message for anything that you want us to talk about. We're happy to talk about anything. And who who would you? Would you like uh, us to talk to us too? Would um, love to get, start getting some guests on. So if you have any suggestions, tag them, um, let us know, and we'll get in touch with them. And um, we can pick their brain on whatever they're um, proficient in or whatever they do. Um, yeah. Yeah, let us know. All right, guys, stay safe. And um, all the New Zealanders here in, lock four, in uh, lockdown uh, stage four, please be safe and uh, look after your loved ones. Uh, this is out for us and we'll hear from us in a few days. Take care, guys. Take care.